The Lord is so faithful. I feel like, uh, man, heart's already full. Just, man, it's, it's beautiful to have families grafted together. Amen. We are all the body of Christ. We're all one all over the world, many nations, tribes, tongues. Um, but there's also something unique about uh, each local body. And this, this, when we say this house, what, what I mean is all these faces. Yes, we, we are in the, we like to call it the house of God, but frankly, these are, there's just some walls put up so that the true house of God can come together, amen? Um, we are the building of the Lord um, with Jesus Christ himself as the head, amen? But uh, we're just, man, it's so awesome to see families grafted in. Oh, thank you, Lord. How many are expecting for more? How many are hungry for more? Well, I believe God has more in store. Amen? Uh, Whenever we reach the day on this earth where we think we have it all, uh, I think that might be the time to sound the alarm. Uh, And I'm grateful uh, to to gather with an amazing family of believers that uh, that is not your heart. There's a hunger in this house. There's a thirst in this house, and, and I believe God will answer that hunger and answer that thirst, and, and here, even today, I believe there's a hunger and a thirst for more of what God wants, and so let's just grab a hold of that together. Can we do that? Yeah. Um, thank you, Lord. Well, let's pray. Father, Lord, we, we thank you, Jesus, that you are here. Lord, we revere you, and we honor you, and we welcome you, and we say, Lord, you are king, you are Lord. As they said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on that day. We call it Palm Sunday, that day where you triumphantly entered into Jerusalem and all of the people came and laid down palm branches in their coats and said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was a welcome for a king. It was a welcome for God. And Lord, we welcome you today. And we ask you to come. We invite you, Lord, to ride in. We invite you, God, to walk amongst us. We invite you to change us and transform us and mold us and make us, Lord, more and more into the image of Christ. Lord, I thank you that you said even on that day, as the Pharisees and the religious, those that oppose this extravagant worship, you said... If these did not cry out in worship, even the rocks themselves would cry out. Lord, you are that good. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to manifest your presence among us today. God, it's in your presence where there is fullness of joy. It's in your presence where we are changed forevermore. It's in your presence where I have, with my own eyes, witnessed someone who's been on pills for years, and in one moment in your presence, their life's been forever changed. And what the pills could not do, a moment in your presence did more. Lord, we thank you, and we honor you, we revere you. We just declare the authority of the Lord Jesus in this place. We declare king of all kings. You have all authority, all dominion, and we submit to you, and we welcome you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. We just, let's just go prayer meeting, you know? I'm cool with that. Uh, I love uh, Kayla's exhortation to take out notes and start jotting it down. I'm like, that... That is, that is very engaging. Um, but uh, 
uh, it, it's a good trick. You know, get to write it down and start re- remembering. Oh, we got prayer, 6 o'clock. Um, man, it's amazing what God's been doing. Um, over the course of this last year, we've always been a church that loves to pray. Um, but man, it's, it's like there's something so beautiful that he's really been doing over this past year to shape us and, and, and um, just make that so much more a, a part of just who we are as a body. Um, you know, we've, uh, by the way, my, my wife is at home. She's recovering um, from some surgery. She had the gall to have a gallbladder surgery. Uh, but uh, my dad said, uh, uh, you know, we'll pray that she will be the woman in whom there is no gall. Uh, uh, a, a bad pun reference to Nathaniel. Um, but uh, if you don't know that story, go read the Bible. But... Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's been a fun journey, but we kind of had a bit of a surprise, but man, thank God we got all the galls gone, and, uh, and uh, she's recovering well, so she sends her love, wishes she could be here. I wish she could be here, um, but because uh, I kind of like her. Um, yeah, I, I tell you, we're going on 13 years, and I, I tell her all the time, you know, I love you more today than I did 13 years ago. And what, what little I knew going into it, and I'll tell you what, if you're here today and you're not married, you have a lot to look forward to. And it is worth waiting for God's choice. And I'm a living testimony of that. If you want to know the story, I do not have a book, um, but if you want to know the story, that, that sounded like a setup right there, like on a talk show. If you want to know the, more about the story, dial 1-800 and uh, order your book today. Um, but uh, if you want to know the story, I'm happy to share it with you. But all I can say is I was so close to going my way, and God intervened, and I'm so grateful. And, uh, and it's really due to the prayers of so many. I, I'm here today. I remember asking my wife, what did you pray when God started speaking to her to, that I just need to pray? And, and she said, at the time, it wasn't even like I was really attracted to you. I'm like, well, thanks a lot. She said, I just knew I had to pray, and I couldn't stop it. I was night and day. I couldn't stop praying. And I know many people in this, in this church, those that are here today, those some that aren't here today, um, prayed for me, and I am literally a living testimony of the, not the power, I, I love the, the phrase, the power of prayer. I, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but the reality is, is that prayer is just unlocking God's power. It's something that God always wants to do. His will, His purpose, He so desires to be released in this earth. But prayer is how we access that and, and release that power in the earth. And I am a, a beneficiary. I'm a victim of victory. I am one who has been a recipient of what God does when His people obey and they pray. And, uh, and I, I would ask my wife, you know, what did you pray? And, you know, some super strategic prayer. And uh, outside of praying a lot in the Spirit, she said, most of the time I would just pray, Lord, your, let your will be done. What power there is Amen. in agreeing with heaven. Amen. What purpose yeah. our God has. The will of the Father. Jesus ever lived to fulfill the will of the Father. And if he is a picture of what the will of the Father looks like, I think God's will is pretty darn good. 
Don't you? And she would just pray, let your will be done. So uh, I, I am grateful. I'm grateful for that. And, and how many know when we pray in the Spirit, there is strategy. God will give us specific things. And I, I know along the way God did that. But uh, if you don't know where to start today, just start praying His will. And you know, uh, the Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, that we are praying the perfect will of the Father. And, oh gosh, I forget the reference now. Somebody's going to help me. Send me an email and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, we're praying the will of the Father, the perfect will of the Father. And uh, as you pray in the Spirit, you're praying His will, but then also God will reveal certain things in your understanding, and then we can say, okay, yes, I'm going to agree with that. Lord, let this be. Let this come to pass. And um, anyway, God has some good things in store. I'm going to issue a warning my warning is um, the message God has put on my heart today, much of it is going to feel repetitive. <laughs> That's my warning. Um, but uh, so be warned. Paul said this, for me to repeat these things to you is not tedious. For you, it is safe. God is so good that he'll keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over until it gets through here and gets here. Amen? So we're going to get it. We're going to get it. Uh, this month has been, uh, anybody know what we've been talking about this month in, in the sermon messages series this month? What have we talking about? Prayer. I pray you get it. Um, but uh, we've, been, we've been talking about prayer. We've been acting prayer. We've been living it uh, as a church, I believe, really in a whole new way over this course of this last year, and it's amazing, and I believe we are already seeing the glory to glory, the faith to faith, the things that flow out of that prayer in our services. I don't know if you, you know, know what I'm talking about, but it's just like, man, if you remember church six months ago, man, it's just amazing. I'm like, dude, we're going somewhere. God's up to good things, amen? Uh, so, but we don't want to stop. God's got so much more in store. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 21. Matthew Thank you, Lord. Okay, and then when you get there, I want you to pull up Haggai. Haggai, chapter, I think it's chapter one. I'm, I'm pulling it up there too. I didn't know how to fix my car, but I Haggai, look at it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's bad. That's bad. Uh, but just, just came right out. That was fresh. That was fresh. I think a lot of times when I ask God to help me, um, many times it's just to help me to stop the what's about to come out of my mouth before I've thought about it. That one missed the filter. It just came right through. Thank you, God. Hey, guy. Haggai, look at it. Okay. Haggai chapter 1. Are you there? How many know we can have some fun in the house of God? I think God's generally got a 
a bit of a humor. Uh, I think he likes to smile. I think he likes to sing. I think he likes to laugh. And uh, I also think he likes to weep. But it's not, not a human weeping. It's not emotional. It's deep. It's a river. And it is completely born of love. Our God is so good. This last year, I feel like if there's one thing, there's a lot of things God's been doing in my heart. A lot of it I can't even explain to you. I believe there's stories in this house. If we were to just take a look at what God has been speaking and doing in your life, I believe there's a lot God's up to right now. I know I've seen it in in many of your lives. I know in my life, one of the things I have, God has been teaching me is how to weep. And that sounds funny because I've always been a kind of emotional guy. Um, sometime, I remember when I was in youth one time, when I mean in youth, like I was 13, I was a fresh meat in youth, and I remember the youth pastor, um, Pastor Dan at the time, he, he asked me, he said, I, I shared something with him. He's like, oh man, you got to share that. You got you to get up there and share it. And so I go up, it was just like this simple little revelation. It was, you know, I, I thought, you know, kind of little of it, but I was just, he was like, oh man, you got to share that. And so I, I go up there and I grab the microphone. I'm like, Jesus, you know, and I like barely got it out, muscled it through tears. And, uh, I mean, I'm like, God, am I going to be riddled with this for all my life? Half the time I have to talk through my crying. Right. Um, but, but weeping is something so much deeper. It's it's where the heart of God runs through you like a river, and there's something that just is beyond you. And, uh, and I asked the Lord about a year ago, Lord, I want to weep for the lost the way that you weep. Jesus entered Jerusalem right after the palm branch occasion, and it says he wept over Jerusalem. There's a time where it says that uh, he, he looked at Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, how I wish I could just gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. There's a weep in the heart of God. Even the foreign nations, and if you look through the old prophet, prophetic books, like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, there'd be times where God himself is, is speaking against the nations that were against his people. And he was actually speaking curses, like, You're going to be cursed for messing with my people. And then in the same token, God would turn and he'd say, And I weep. For them. I lament for Moab. I mean, that's our God. But it's not emotional. It's not, oh, I wish they would love me. It's love flowing outward, desiring for a change that brings wholeness and salvation. That's our heart. That's God's heart. And if, if, you, uh, if you're taking notes today, good luck. Um, but if you are, uh, I, I would say that the, the simplest way to title this message would be House of Prayer. And I think it'll make a little bit more sense in a moment. But in Haggai chapter 1, verse 4, it says this. Actually, I'm going to go back to chapter 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Let me just say something. If God's saying these people, <laughs> you don't want to be these people, Okay. These people, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, 
Haggai, Haggai to, to say a prophecy, uh, the prophet, it, is it time, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house, meaning the house of God, lies in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. And if I were to translate that, is it now time for you to focus on preparing and building the house for what you want and what you need, but neglecting to prepare a place for me? Voiced out of, that's God. Is it a time for you to make sure that all of your needs are met and all of your desires are fulfilled and all of the things that you want on your wish list, those things are all taken care of, but there's no concern for is there a place for me to dwell? Have you made any room for me in your life with your seeking after all of these things of the world and all of the desires of your heart and all the things you want to do? In all of that, have you made any room for me? And this is, a, this is not a, hopefully this doesn't sound like a rebuke. This is just the heart of God. I believe, man, I was just thinking about this in Revelation chapter 3, where God speaks to the lukewarm church. I mean, if you asked me a year ago, I would have said, I'm a, I'm a pretty fiery Christian. I'm a pretty on fire, God, fire for God kind of guy. And I'm telling you, the last year, God has been purging lukewarmness out of my life. <laughs> Whew, and there's more. There's more to come. And, and so, again, if we ever think we've arrived, if we ever think we've got it all, man, that's a scary place to be. It's time to sound the alarm. But there, I believe there is still a place for where we have been focusing on building what we want when God is saying, would you start to focus on what I want? And I believe there's, there's more there. And now we want to switch to Matthew 21. Okay, we're going to get to Palm Sunday right here. I'm just going to read this story. You guys like story time? If you want to sit in a circle, feel free. Right, just we can do it anywhere. Uh, crisscross applesauce, you know, whatever you like. Okay. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, this is verse one of twenty-one. When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, "Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me." If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. By the way, if you didn't know, kings typically would ride on a horse. That was a normal thing. If you were a king, you would have the nicest horse to ride on. But our God, he chose not even a donkey that's like a professional. This is a colt that's never been ridden on. Jesus said, just let me sit on, on a donkey. God likes donkeys. Read about Balak. It's, it's pretty cool. He, he works with donkeys. Um, I've, I haven't had a lot of luck with them, but God does. Excuse me. The disciples went and did just did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks 
on the road. I'm going to say that again. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. And others, because not everybody will get it. Not everybody will, will get in on what God is up to. But let us be part of the ones that are welcoming the king. Amen? Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I'm like 99.9% parched here, so we're just, we're just getting some water. They threw their cloaks on the ground, and then they went up and they grabbed off of trees. They broke branches. They took the high places, and they brought them low. And they laid them as Jesus came in. And let's see. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the, of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. It's amazing that this story, I, I can't, re I'm just going to be honest, I don't remember the cleansing of the temple being so immediately following the, the triumphal entry. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes if you've been in church a little bit, you start to connect the dots to certain things. It's like, okay, Easter is resurrection. Okay, Palm Sunday is when we come to church and they give us a branch and we're going to wave it or something during worship. Like, what was that for again? You know, oh yeah, they threw it on the ground. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, we, we do that, right? We get churchy. But like, I mean, when this happened, there was something about Jesus entering the city that made people rip their outer garment off and lay it on the ground as if the king of all kings was walking, as if a god, this was the way that during that day, the custom would have been, that is how, it probably was impacted by like Roman mythology or Greek mythology, but that would be the way that they would welcome a god. The way that they use the word spread their cloaks, it's not like... Um, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, unrolled it. It would be like to make a bed. It would be like to, to lay out a mattress. It would be like to make something delightful and soft and easy for this God to pass by. That would be what, what they were doing. So they were welcoming the king of... What, what made them do that? But here is the welcome of the king, and out of that flows, okay, you want me to be king? I'm going to come in the house. And there's some work to do. I didn't think of this, but this makes a good broom, you know. Jesus is going to clean the house, amen? But I love this. He comes in, he says, you know, this stuff doesn't belong here. Of all the things he could describe his house... His father's house. He didn't say, my house will be a house of worship, even though that would be pretty darn good. Yeah. 
How many know worship is essential? It's, it's a core part of who we are. To worship God is to just simply reflect toward him. To say, God, I ascribe, I value you as more worthy and more valuable than anything. So I'm going to sing to you. I won't sing to someone else and say, you're so beautiful, you're so amazing, or blah, 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 blah. Although, you know, husbands and wives sing to your, sing your wives and stuff, right? But I'm going to give everything that I am what I'm going to give you, I'm not giving anything else. I'm going to give you my attention. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you my talent. I'm going to give you my treasure. God, I'm going to worship you. That's essential to who we are. But God did not come and say, my house, my father's house should be a house of worship. He didn't come and say it should be a house of, of baptism. He didn't come and say it should be a house of everybody does what they're told. <laughs> Even though that would be nice, right? <laughs> my house shall be a house where the... Sound system always does what it's told. <laughs> right, sound guys, you got me? Like, this system, I just turned this knob, and it's not listening to me, right? Um, <coughs> he didn't say that. My house should be a house of membership, and any dissenters can leave the door. What did he say? My house should be a house of prayer. My house, my father's house, the purpose of the gathering and the coming and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the number one essential purpose is prayer. I think we have, uh, it's possible to say that we've maybe added to that a bit. And when I say we, I'm not saying like our church and we're off, you know, nothing like that. But as the body of Christ, if you look at the last 20 years, there is sure a lot of five steps to this and 12 steps to that, and you've got an endless supply of podcasts. Why do we need to open our Bible? <laughs> you know, there's technology. We'll probably evangelize the world by tomorrow, so why do we need to pray? I think it was pretty essential. So essential that when Jesus comes to cleanse the house, he restores its primary purpose, a house of prayer. And this I love. When Jesus restores the house of God, the dwelling of God, and by the way, we are. I want you to take your finger and just point at your chest. This is the house of God. You are the house of God. When you receive Jesus into your life, you are saying, God, I want you to dwell here. I'm making room. I want you to be God here. I want you to be king here. I want you to dwell here. As we read in Haggai, are we going to be so focused on making a dwelling for the things we want, or do we want to make a dwelling for Him? Do we want to make a place for Him? Jesus restores the house of prayer, and what is the first thing that we see here in verse 14? I just love this. I love the word then. Anybody just say then? I, I think my, my version says it different. In the New King James, it says then. It says, here it says and, so we'll, we'll go with that, but any, any form of, you know, whatever you call that, conjunction? Is that, is that right? Yeah. Um, we're homeschooling our kids, so good luck for them. Um, but, uh, <laughs> 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 woo! Verse 14, that's why we have books. Thank you, Lord, for curriculum. You know what I'm saying? Um, everybody say, and then. One more time, a little like you mean it. Okay, thank you. 
And then the blind and the lame came to him. And then the blind and the lame came. And what did he do? He healed them. Who here hungers to see the blind and the lame coming in need of a doctor, of a healer, of whom there is no copy? How many want to see the blind and the lame and the maimed, those that have no place of dwelling, no place where they can get their needs met, no place where their soul can be satisfied? How many want to see the blind and the lame coming to Jesus? Guess where it starts? House of prayer. And what is the house? We are. It's, a, it's both a me and it's also a we. Because we are a member, like my finger is a member of my body. I'd like to welcome the pointer finger. He is now established and confirmed member of the body, right? I just, I just laid hands. No, sorry. Okay. He's now a member of the body, right? He's a member, but he's not everything. Because if I need to kick a soccer ball, I do not want to use this member. You know what I'm saying? If I want to catch a basketball, Val, where are you? You're going to want a few more, right? You try with one finger, unless you're Harlem Globetrotters and you've got it spinning. Uh, It's going to be hard, right? We are, it starts in the house of prayer, but the house of prayer is both individual and it's also corporate. And I know we've talked a lot about that in in the past months. But I want us to get a hold of this. Jesus is so intent on restoring the house of prayer because that is where, when that is in its rightful place, Jesus has the opportunity to function in his rightful place. Where those that are broken, those that are hurting, those that have no other answer and no other hope have a place to come. I don't know what it is, but man, what was it like a number of months ago? Like I want to say five six months ago, we had a prayer meeting, and that night, it was like just this overwhelming burden for the lost came upon us, and we were just praying and praying for the lost, and man, it was so powerful and beautiful. It was like, don't pray for anything else. Stay here. Just keep praying here, and it was like Wednesday. We get some random call from someone we've never met who said, I, I just realized I need, to, I need to come to Jesus, and I need to make some changes in my life, and it's like, What? And I'm telling you, and we've seen, we've already started to see more and more of this, but man, there's so much more in store that comes together when we are functioning as a house of prayer. Now, I want to I talk just briefly about a few things that connect to this. One is that we need to make a way for him. We need to prepare a place for him. The house of prayer indicates a dwelling. That word house in the Greek does not mean simply a building. It means a dwelling place. It means a place where God is welcome to live and abide. And I think um, it's interesting that the cleansing of the temple and the cleansing of the house directly comes right after the welcoming him as a king. 
And so there's, there's something about this that if we want to function in the way God wants us to function, he needs to be the God of the house. He needs to be the king of our house. He needs to be the one to say what belongs and what must go. If we, if it's, it's either you or him who gets to be king. We can't do it both. But I'm telling you, when you seat him on the throne of your heart, it is beautiful. You have a king who knows nothing but love and who knows nothing but truth, who has all power within his hands, within his name. I think it's a little better if he's king, wouldn't you say? But it's time for us to start welcoming him. If we want to be this house, and man, I want to reiterate, man, what God is doing in this house, in this body of believers, it is amazing. We're already stepping into this, but this is just a, a, again, to reiterate, it's not tedious for me to repeat these things for you. It is safe that this is essential. How many know the, the government tried to decide what, what was most essential? And it was a little interesting uh, in some ways, right? But how many know this is essential? Yes. And I just wonder if maybe we just need to use our palm branches. Maybe for one of you today, you're welcoming Jesus into your life is to say, Lord, I'm only alive today by your mercy. And in my, in my pride and in my arrogance, I've just kind of had confidence in my own self. And I've been at a high place. I've been like a palm tree, kind of proudly saying, I'm good. Nothing can touch me. And maybe today it's, I need to lay that down and say, Lord, you're the only, only way to life. You're the only truth. You're the only path to life. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Maybe it's, God, I've been building a house and doing it my way. I've put things, people, and my desires in front of you. But today, I want you to be king, so I'm going to lay those things down. Maybe you're here today and you, you would say, I've, I've been trying to break those habits. God, I've been trying to break free from these things. I've been trying to break free from this lifestyle, but I cannot do it. I'm no longer going to try and do it on my own, but I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to let you be king. Let you be God. It was 14 years ago in 2007 when I laid my palm branch down. I grew up in church. I, I technically gave my life to Jesus when I was three. After I watched a cartoon about these kids that got to see both heaven and hell, and I was like, I never want to go there. <laughs> and I prayed. I said, Jesus, come into my life. I don't ever want to go there. I want eternal life. Right? And I grew up in church. I, I was baptized in, in water when I was about uh, nine or ten, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit about the same age. I was about fourth grade, I think. Um, fifth grade, maybe. And uh, I, I walked with God, but... There were times where I was still saying, you know, I want to do it my way. And I went through a, a period of my life where it was, especially between the ages of roughly like 17 till about 20, 21. I was just trying to do it my way. I was doing church. I was here. If you thought, this guy's a Christian, yeah. Like, he's got it. But I had, there were some things I hadn't laid down. And I was still trying to live on my own throne. 
But 14 years ago in March of 2007, I laid down everything, and it changed everything. And I'll never regret it. I've never regretted it for a day. I will tell you, I've regretted a lot of days where I didn't do that. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip to the end here, but we need to prepare a place for him. We need to make way for him. We need to let him clean the house. In Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. We need to let him construct the house, clean the house, make the house. When he comes in, he says, my house shall be a house of prayer. He decides what stays. He decides what goes. When, when you welcome the king and you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, your king, we welcome you as king. Do not expect to welcome a king and for him to not act as king. When you welcome the king of all kings, the one who knows way better than you do, way better than I do. How many know sometimes we think we have it so figured out? You know what I'm saying? Right? Who here is 15? 15? 16? 15, 16? Yes, I got, I got one. Okay. When I was 15, 16, I, my parents can tell you, I thought I had it all figured out. I, I thought everybody was so, you know, stupid, really. Um, right? Anybody met, met me at that time? Like, it's just, you just, you think you got it all figured out, and you really know nothing, right? I mean, Stephen, this, this guy's walking in the wisdom of the Lord. So that's, that's a different thing, but it's not of his own strength. It's not of his own knowing. It's because he's laid his palm branch down, haven't you, bud? I used to think, man, I knew everything. But when you decide you want to welcome the king, expect him to be king. I have a friend in the, in the house who, who owns a consulting business. God's blessed it. Um, but man, if somebody hired him to be a consultant, paid him money because he's an expert in his field, and says, I want you to offer advice and tell us what we should do as a, as a business, and you're an expert in this, we're not. We're going to pay you a lot of money to do this. And then after doing all that, getting all of the guidance, all of the feedback to say, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do it my way anyway. That would be stupid, right? That would be ludicrous. How many know we've done it? How many know we have come in and we've worshipped him? You're king of kings. You're lord of lords. And on Monday, I walk out the door and I'm saying, you know what? I'm just going to do this my way because it feels a lot better. It's a lot easier. What he said he wanted me to do, that... That was yucky. I don't like that. God said he wanted me to end this relationship. Oh, really? I don't like that. God said he wants me to stop watching that movie, those shows. Ooh, that's hard. I don't, Netflix is my thing. God said, I want you to take a break from your Instagram. Ooh. Oh, but who's, who's king? Who's king? Do we wave our branches, but then walk out the door and just get right back on the throne ourselves? Or do we wave our branches and we let the king walk in and we say, forever, you're king. 
We make a way for him, and then we expect him to do what the king wants to do. Let him clean the house. And third, we need to take our place. When we invite God to be on, this is beautiful. I, this is the grace of God. We talk a lot about the grace of God, and we think about all the personal benefits, right, and all the things. I have, I have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places and all of these things. When we think of it, it's very easy to be a self-centered Christian and take all those scriptures and go, me, 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 me. When you think about it, when we place God on the throne of our heart, God says, all right, now you've given me a place, so now I'm going to give you a place. And God doesn't give us a seat at the far end of the table. It says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. And so here's my, my encouragement to you. We welcome him. We let him clean the house. And then we take our rightful place seated with him at the throne. We have to recognize this is not our throne. We are not on the throne, but we are with him at the throne. Ephesians chapter 2 says, But God, who in his rich mercy, because of his great love, with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When we, allow, when we welcome him and we say, God, I want you to be on the throne of my heart, God says, all right, I want you to sit with me at the throne. And we, are, we have a place of access. We have a place where we can, it says in Hebrews, come boldly before the throne of grace. And yes, we can come for our needs, but I'm telling you what, when you get close to Jesus, like what Pastor Jonathan was preaching this last week about that time, being like a Mary, to sit at the feet of Jesus, when you get close to him and you start to spend time with him at the throne, all of a sudden, the things about your own life really kind of start to be pretty small. And you start to get into this groove of this heart of, God, what is, what is it that you want to do? You're on, he's, he is both a high priest and he's also a high king. And so he both executes the prayers as a priest, but he also executes the authority of a king. And when we agree from an er, being here on earth but seated with him, it releases his work in this earth. And it's so critical that we would become and be the house of prayer. Can I ask uh, Vondo if you'd come play and just play that holy, holy, holy? Thank you, thank you. And this is like, man, a quick download. I'm, 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 I found it difficult to boil this because there's just so much bubbling. Um, in my heart. But I have, with my, the eye of my heart, I have, I have seen there is so much more that God wants to do. So Lord, we just say, come and do what you want to do. We want your purpose. We want your will. As it was prayed over my life, let your will be done. And you dramatically altered the course of my own life. God, I pray that over each and every one of us, everyone who's hearing this message, God, I pray your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, we pray that you would come in and you would make our home. You would make us the house of prayer, the dwelling place of prayer 
that you would make us effective in a high-functioning house of prayer. And that as you restore, as you've been restoring and you are restoring prayer, we thank you, Lord, that we're going to see the and thens, and then the lame, and then the blind, and then those came, and Jesus healed them. God, we're believing for miracles. We're looking to you for miracles. Man cannot do what needs to be done. There's no government, there's no power, there's no authority in this earth that can do what needs to be done. But Lord, you can. So God, we pray, make us a house of prayer. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've already been doing. We say, Holy Spirit, let your wind blow on the fire. Let the fire be stoked. We thank you, God, for that fire of God that would be in us and on us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He truly is holy. He truly is God. He truly is King. I tell you what, one of the greatest secrets of seeing God's miracles come to pass is let him be king. Let him be God. It says that he is seated or enthroned on the praise of his people. There's something about just, God, you're king. Let him do what only he can do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've got two things I want to say really quick. One is, there's some of you here, you've been a believer, you've been walking with God, and you felt a tug on your heart to really step into this, this heart of intercession, this heart of prayer that God is, is bringing. And, and there's been almost like a battle. You just, you've really gone, I don't, you know, what, what good is it for me to pray and all this stuff? Let, let me just say this to you. Jesus, the King of all kings, the one whom because of his presence in the city, it caused the whole city to lay down palm branches. This king who was raised from the dead, seen by many for 40 days, and on the 40th day ascended to heaven, and 10 days later sends the Holy Spirit. This God, this king of all kings who said he was obedient to the point of death on the cross, and his name has been highly exalted. It's the name above every name. It's, he's above all. He said, all authority and all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And of all the things our God could be doing right now, says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And what does it say in Hebrews? He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. If we don't think prayer is important, oh, let me tell you. My heart has been cut, pruned purged of my prayerlessness. Let me just tell you honestly, Jesus is so 
intimately aware of what's going on because he ever lives to make intercession. But guess what? We're invited to the throne. That means we get to sit next to Jesus. It's like Jesus is our prayer partner and we get to be with him and we get to execute the authority from the throne. And so if you've not stepped into that lifestyle of being the house of prayer, I wanna challenge you. It's time. It's time to enter in and watch and see and expect the miracles that God's gonna do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The second thing I wanna say is there's some of you here today, I just, I really feel this. You might, you might not even have a relationship with God. You might be here and, and you don't know God or you're listening to this message online. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You haven't given him your life. And what I've been saying about welcoming him and making him as king, it's, it's so crucial, but it's the best decision you'll ever make to welcome him in as king. But there's some, I believe, also here today where you've been holding on to something you know you need to lay down. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here this morning convicting our hearts because he's a good God, because he loves us, he will convict us. I'm, I'm a party that has been greatly convicted in many times and in many ways. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But there's some here today, I really felt the Lord speak this to me. There's some here today, you've been holding on to some things, whether it be things that were done to you or things you have done. And it's like you've gripped onto it, thinking if I just hide it, no one will know that this is a part of my life. If I just hide it, it'll be, I won't have to deal with it. It'll just be a thing. And the Lord is here to deal with things. We used to, we used to uh, when we spent time with the youth, and, and I remember there would be times at camps where the Holy Spirit would be moving so powerfully, and, and some of these young people would actually want to leave the room. They would want to get up and get out. And do you know why? Because there was something going on on the inside. It would start to bubble up, something they'd been hiding. But when the Holy Spirit is at work and he's convicting, he's like, let me pull this out. But sometimes when he wants to pull it out, it hurts. It's like, ooh, I, I didn't want to look at that. I didn't want to feel that. I don't want to be around that. I just want to avoid these things. I don't want to worry what people will think if I lay this down because then everyone will know I've not been perfect. But that is the moment when it, you must come, run, and lay that down before him and say, God, I'm welcoming you as king. I want you to come and rule. I want you to come and have your way. And so I, I believe there's some here today, it's like you've been wearing it. You know, it says that they took tree branches. It says that they took their cloaks. And I believe there's some here today, it's like it's be, been such a part of your life that it's become like your everyday wear. And you just forgot that it's there. I'm speaking in metaphors, okay? Um, if, if that didn't ke- click for you. But... It's like there's something in your life, whether it's a, a sin in your life, whether it's a, a struggle, it's a, a habit that you've been trying to break, a way of living, a relationship, uh, whatever it might be, where God's been just been tugging and saying, will you let me be God? Will you let me deal with that? And I'm telling you today, the quicker you run, the quicker you make a place for him to be king, the quicker he comes into the house and he removes what doesn't belong and he restores it for its original purpose.
just like he did in the house. Amen?